Hey, everybody, I'm starting a new episode here. Sorry. New episode of the Blind Mike Project. It's not, we didn't just sloppily put this together. Last minute, what are you laughing at? I don't know, just the way you was play. Yeah, it's nothing better than to start an episode with a Craig laugh. Am I right, folks? I know you love that. Got me good. It was funny. <laughs> uh, so what we're doing here is uh, we're on patreon.com slash blind Mike. Yes. Uh, where you can check out Craig Oconey of Very Good Show. Hi. And me, Blind Mike. And uh, sometimes Matt from Rhode Island joins us, who cuts our clips from Vaulted Podcasts. Extra goodies. That's right. Thank you, Jerry. Um, so, we're uh, yeah, we're uh, streaming live on Patreon, which you can sign up for for $1 a month. And uh, I talked to Renan Hirschberg today. And I realized the uh, episode was only like 43 minutes. So I figured we should do like 10 or 15 to give you to make sure you guys have a, you know, a full plate here. I don't want to I don't want to shortchange it for Christ's sake. No, they, they deserve it. They're paying us. Yeah. Well, actually, no, they're no. not. No, they're not. No, they're not. The you should. Point. You should These be paying people are paying us. Yeah, you should be paying us. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, come on. Yeah. Get well, the getting is good. You get two months free on Patreon.com slash blind Mike. If you sign up for a full year. Um, you can catch the live streams for as little as $1 a month. So it's a bargain, baby. It's a dollar. You don't even know it's gone. Uh, God. So, what did, so for just the subscribers, what did we talk about? Today? Well, I would tell the, the, the freebies what we talked about for just the subscribers. today. <laughs> Craig wildly offended trans people. <laughs> oh, we had some very transphobic remarks. I more or less said, I don't know the gender of this person, which I, I think, was outraged, which I think is the respectful thing to do. And now he's doing it again. I didn't assume a gender. Isn't that the, he, the good now thing? He crawled out. Now he crawled out from under the paywall to do this. I thought you weren't supposed to assume genders and I didn't. Well, I suppose he put it in a very crass manner. Folks go check it out on the Patreon. <laughs> um, we talk, I, I said the Olympics fucking suck, which they do. Yeah. Oh, they're garbage. Winter Olympics uh, rule. I'll stand mm -hmm. by that one. Um, and then we talked about uh, how people are mentally ill on Twitter. <laughs> Re retarded. Um, we talked about Louis C.K. And then no other comedians. <laughs> None at all. You definitely didn't talk about anyone after that. <laughs> and then... Uh, <laughs> what else? What else did we do as we killed time here? <laughs> <laughs> we oh, we could we could uh, watch the porn real quick if you'd like. Oh yeah, let's do that. That'll be fun. Yeah, that'll be fun for the people. This is. So uh, let's see what this is. Uh, the great Justin Trudell of of uh, KMS fame sent me this and asked if I'd be interested. <laughs> I don't know if he was getting me in the mood or what his uh, intention was. But I, I shame on me for not bringing this to you guys sooner because I did know this existed. I think I found out this doesn't feel right. There's no, there's no way I would have watched it at the program I was in. I didn't watch it. And I can't imagine having heard about it there, but I feel like it was around that time that I found out that this existed. So, and it's, it's basically a stereotype. It's like, if you're not blind and thought, what would blind people want for porn? So basically, so we were recording on Monday and, uh, I, we were talking about uh, anal lube. Sure. And then for some reason, the teen mom sex video came up. Yes. And Justin suggested the uh, described video is what they call it. 
So basically what we're saying is things get pretty wacky around here, folks. <laughs> we're a couple of zany guys, shock jocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh so let's let's see what this uh this porn's all about. This is porn for the blind. Towards him. Then she walks over to the bed and throws herself down on it, laughing. Although you still can't see him, he starts hitting her with the pillow. She invites him to come over. Wait, how hot? And we see a bit of his jeans and t-shirt as he walks over to stand beside her. They start talking about his cock, and she compares the jeans he's wearing to armor. Wouldn't it, didn't you always want your vice principal to explain porn to you? Exactly. Wouldn't that always be much hotter than just watching it? Yeah. Now I have to say, I, this is like... Um, it cuts, and now we have a close-up view from above of her blowing him. <laughs> <laughs> now this is like uh, if a guy wrote a movie about feminism. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I always point this out in the show, Rescue Me. Mm-hmm. The female parts are always like when uh, when Tommy Gavin gets in a fight with uh, Janet or Sheila. <laughs> the fight always ends with like, yeah, Tommy, this sex is amazing. You know it blows my mind. But that's not enough for me. <laughs> yeah. So you can tell Dennis Leary just wrote these yeah. women <laughs> with, with zero fucking idea of how women talk or think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this is. It's a sighted person saying, oh, well, surely... They need uh, someone to explain what's happening to them. That'll get them to master. When in reality, if we just hear some nuts slapping ass and a little moaning, that's enough for us. I just rewound it again because I'm pretty sure there was more to that sentence than where I stopped it. <laughs> and now we have a close-up view from above of her blowing him. She sucks his cock, but he's not hard yet. <laughs> The man is currently questioning his sexuality. <laughs> He's wondering if a woman this this beautiful can't get him hard, what will? Perhaps a man's caress. All of this is going through his mind. You can see it in his eyes. It's disgusting. <laughs> I'm going to give uh, the patrons uh, a little tease here. Then, when she decides that they should do anal, she springs up off the bed and walks away to get lube. I like that phrasing. She, she decides that they should do anal. Going downstairs. After, after pondering this for several minutes. For hmm. minutes. So she stands what should we do here? The railing of the stairs in her it's, it's never just, uh, you know, natural happening. It's uh, anal, you know? I wish she got a little more... Descri- I wish she used more descriptive adjectives. Look at these fuck. Oh, you can't see them, obviously. But these ads are something around the video. What do we got? I don't know. Uh, looks like uh, some 65-year-old woman. Will this video get taken down for playing this? Well, there's no porn on, on here yet. Okay. I'm just saying make sure on this is the free episode. Right. So make sure on the free episode. I, I removed it before uh, the next scene <laughs> where it would be taken down. Go back <laughs> in the archives. You can see Screech fucking some chick for a second. Good. That was in there. Wait, that's what it's describing? This? No, this is uh, the teen mom. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Wait a minute. 
I feel like I shouldn't have to ask this. <laughs> She's of age. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> she was on the show. Too. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, no. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> my heart almost stopped. No, Por Pornhub went through that purge. Remember, they got rid of like 12 million videos. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? There were videos, illegal videos on Pornhub? Allegedly. Oh, boy. Yeah, it went from about 15 million videos to now it's got like 3.3 million. So who knows what oh, the fuck? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> God knows what we've been watching. <laughs> Oh man! You oh, know, speaking that might be, it might be a hint to uh, Matt from Rhode Island, a vaulted podcast. Speak might be worth clipping if you can find my reaction the second he said "Teen Mom." <laughs> the look on my face did you see, <laughs> of utter fright. Did you see the uh, that tweet that that guy uh, Flora Grill or whatever the fuck posted today? I don't know who that is. No. Well, Tim Pool retweeted it or took a picture because the guy deleted it. This, do, you want, do you want me to read this tweet? It's fucking crazy. If you think it's worth it. it By has, the way, we've got, you know, for those of you wondering, we do have Ronan Hirschberg coming up in a few, once Craig is done with this uh, bit that he's got prepared. No, this this has to do with what we're currently watching. Okay. Uh, uh, now I feel bad. Boy, so me and Ronan have a real nice discussion about <laughs> mental health. <laughs> this is a bizarre thing to put in front of that. <laughs> uh, something for everyone, I guess. Uh, someone needs to create porn for children. Hear me out. Young teens are already watching porn, but they're finding hardcore aggressive videos that give terrible view of sex. They need entry-level porn, a softcore site where everyone asks for consent and no one gets choked, etc. Uh, so what is he? Is he just wants softcore porn? He wants porn. Porn for little kids that doesn't have aggression. Uh, well, to be honest, I had to walk my way through that. At first, I thought he was saying porn for kids in the sense that, like, hey, they should watch people their own age having sex first. <laughs> and I was like, oh, boy, we are on some dicey ground here. Yeah. That's a weird, there's something, I mean, I, I don't think it goes without saying, but that's a weird cause to take up. <laughs> <laughs> you think so? That is a real weird, like, hey guys, you'll all be on board with this, right? <laughs> I'm saying normal stuff. <laughs> back back to the spoken word porn. Uh, you know what, let's, uh, okay, yes, we'll get back to that in a second. If you want more spoken word porn. Patreon and, and the other wacky things that we do go to patreon.com slash blind Mike. Uh, make sure you check out very good show. Yeah. Um, uh, check out Matt from vaulted podcast. If you're thinking about starting a podcast cuts, great clips. He can help you out with all sorts of, uh, all sorts of, uh, dare I say extra goodies there. Extra As goodies. We, thank you, Jerry. As we do on patreon.com slash blind Mike. And I'm about to say that again. As I introduce Ronan Hirschberg. So ignore that and just pretend I'm not repeating myself and I'm not a shitty broadcaster. Tell yourself that. <laughs> and uh, I appreciate your support, Gearheads. Thank you very much. Enjoy Ronan and uh, this handsome bastard. What's up, guys? Another uh, Blind Mike project. Good news. Craig is not here because I've got a guest. So a uh, slightly different show this week, but thank you for checking out patreon.com slash blind Continue to do that. 
And uh, today we've got a very funny comedian and a co-host of Joe and Ronan Talk Movies, a movie podcast that I've uh, mentioned a couple of times and enjoy a lot. Ronan Hirschberg, what's going on, man? Uh, not much. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, to give you, I mentioned uh, we'd be talking like mental health and that sort of thing. Uh-huh. So to just give you a little insight into like my uh, insecurity and laziness to an extent, I, I've loved your podcast, but I was late to oh, it. thanks. I was late to it because I heard Joe List say, check out Joe and Ron on Talk Movies. I tried the spelling of your name once and got it wrong and didn't want to feel like more of an idiot. So I stopped guessing for a while and just didn't listen to it for a couple of weeks. Yeah, well, I think that's on us. We really, in a terrible marketing decision, we decided to have my name in the title of the podcast, which just makes, <laughs> which makes people have to spell my name to find the podcast, which is which is a bad idea, especially since I, you know, it's hard to find me alone. Just my name is just insane. It's R-A-N-A-N, but like, yeah. Yes, so Joe and Ron on R-A-A-N-A-N. Make sure you check that out. But yeah. uh, I definitely want to talk about that podcast and some of your, uh, I actually, maybe I'm one of the few, I don't know this. I know you talk about getting shit a lot. I enjoy your movie takes, even the ones I don't agree with. Well, I hope you're not. Only the few. I hope there's more than just you. But, well, I'm uh, saying you make it seem like everyone hates you. That's that's on you guys. You make it seem like everyone <laughs> hates your your snobby movie takes. But I like it. Um. Yeah, I think it's more of like, at this point, it's probably more of like a joke. I don't know. It's hard to say. But like, definitely in the beginning, uh, you know, I, a lot of my opinions aren't even that controversial. But like, I think like, or a lot of my opinions are kind of like just standard, like. I don't know. Like, like the idea that Forrest Gump is is a is a dumb movie is not such a fucking controversial idea for like people who are into films. But like, you know, within the podcast, and uh, a lot of people were like shocked by it at first or something. So they like, you know, people got mad or I don't know. It's hard. It's also hard to tell if people are actually mad on YouTube comments and shit. You know, I actually thought you had uh, one of the funnier takes because I people get too worked up about Forrest Gump either way. Like people praise it as this classic film or yeah. say it's good it's like a good movie it's fun to watch kind of but i thought yeah. you had the funniest take on it where you said like well what's the movie about are they just telling us that like hey if you're mentally challenged and get lucky then life's pretty good like is that what the movie's about yeah it's like complete nonsense and uh and, and now a lot of people like a lot of youtube commenters will make fun because i'm like does every movie have to be about something and it's like i don't know i think so i mean like <laughs> I think if you're going to call it one of the best movies ever, it should be about something, you know, sure. but, um, but you know, it's hard to tell with YouTube comments too. It's like, I think a lot of times people are trying to be funny. They're just not good at it. So they'll just yeah. be like, but, it, but then it, it looks me, you like to read. It'll be like, oh, you should have died in the Holocaust. You fat Jew. And you're like, Oh God, they're really uh, <laughs> upset about this. And then, you know, it turns out, and then you, you like comment back and they're like, dude, it was just a joke. And it's like, Oh, okay. That's always the cat. I've had to yeah. learn that a lot over the last, so I'm on uh I'm on the Kirk Minahan show twice a week and he's uh -huh. got a, like a crazy passionate fan base. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, like a lot of that, like uh, radio shows or podcasts where they're very honest about themselves and uh, very inside stuff. They talk about a lot. Right. You have that passionate fan base where they think they're in on the joke and they are right. in on the joke to an extent. Like they uh, do participate on social media and all that type of shit. Right. But it's hard to tell yourself like, oh, they're joking with me because it's like if a stranger talk because this is a stranger talking to me. So if a stranger right. came up to me and talked to me like that, I'd be, hey, fuck you, pal. It's a stranger assuming like familiarity and which yeah. is fine. But like, 
it's fine for a stranger to assume familiarity, I guess. But like for you, from your perspective, it just seems like it, like they're actually upset and angry. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. As much I want, I want them to change, but it's really like my responsibility to adapt to it. Like eventually I can't read every comment and be like, they're still saying mean shit to me. It's like, eventually you got to say, Oh, that's what comes with getting uh, hopefully more popular or more notoriety or whatever, however you want to frame it. Yeah. That's in a way it's a good thing. That's the fucked up thing about like culture, like culture so toxic now that a sign that you're actually getting more traction as if people are telling you you should have died in the holocaust like that's like oh okay we're right. we're getting more uh we're going more viral like that's how fucked up like if if if, if things are supportive it means you haven't really no one you're not reaching anyone outside your own little circle you know what i mean right you know you're doing well once you're uh you know being called a fucking fat piece of shit hack, you know <laughs> who should kill themselves that's that's the caveat so it's like no matter what it kind of sucks <laughs> especially because on a lot of days they'll hit you where you're feeling like that you know what i mean like they'll hit you right where you're fucking sensitive especially if you're honest and talk about it on air or whatever then they know kind of where to attack you and then it's like ah they've dissected me but it's like no you told yeah. them what would get you uh, sense right right they did it and now you're acting like how could they how did they pick up on that though sometimes they are like really insightful like you know like like a fucked like you're like man they really figured it out you yeah know i didn't I mean? even know that about myself yeah yeah i know sometimes yeah um but you know it is what it is i, I don't really look look at con- I, there was a time where i was like got like upset by it but then i just stopped looking at comments so that, that's the, that's the answer it's like just don't look at them you know and it's like that is the point of YouTube comments. Like, I always think like, like, because what happens is I'll like get bored. Like what happens is I'd get like bored and want to read YouTube comments just to see like a good one. But the mean ones are so much meaner than the good ones are good, you know? Sure. So you just read one that said like, hey, I love the pod. Keep it going. And then the <laughs> next one would be like, Joe needs to replace Ron on immediately. This <laughs> right. guy is the fucking worst. I, he fucking ruins my day. And like, well, that's way more mean than the other one. It's very, it's awfully just, specific. Yeah. <laughs> He's got so, a plan. He's already got a replacement yeah. in line for me. But here's the thing. It's like the YouTube comment. That's the point of them. It's like when you get annoyed by something on Twitter, it's like, that's the point of Twitter for you to be annoyed right now. So it's like, once you realize that's the purpose of the thing, and then you just don't try to look for anything good in it. You know what I mean? If anything, right. the people writing nice comments, they're even bigger psychopaths. You're going to comment on YouTube just to say something <laughs> not like just, just don't do anything. I'm kidding. Right. Keep the nice comments. They mean a lot, even though I don't read them. But sometimes I have, I have had to tell myself that though, where like I've talked a lot in therapy about this, where, um, and I'll catch when it's that's the probably the best part about therapy to me is just saying shit out loud that you've thought because you realize how silly it sounds. Like I'll talk right. about you know shit that I don't like that people are saying on social media or whatever. And uh, then when my therapist asks, like, well, what are the, some of the positive, what's some of the fi- positive feedback you get? I'm like, yeah, but I get some, but they're just being nice. And he's like, well, right, right, why right. aren't the other people just being assholes? If they're just being nice, right. just why do they have to mean it? You discredit anything nice. Yeah. And then take to heart anything mean. Yeah. Which is not a good way to look at things, you know? No. So where, where um, does your anxiety start? Cause I was listening to uh, you on uh, mindful metal jacket as well. And um, where does your anxiety start? Is it kind of general self-loathing like a lot of people have, or is there a more uh, sort of specific area that you can point to? 
Um, I guess it's like it's all over. I mean, I've had every type. I mean, like self-loathing plays a part, but also, um, you know, uh, I guess narcissism plays a big part, worrying about right. what people think about you and worrying that they're ignoring you and not being able to like empathize and realize they're like super busy and you know what I mean? You're just yeah. one of many people, you know, there's, so there's that. And there's, I don't know, I get like anxiety. I get a lot of hypochondria, which is not great during a pandemic. Um, right. And, uh, <laughs> uh, is and hypochondria, so, when you say hypochondria, I'm curious about that. Cause it's, I think a lot of people just think of it as like, uh, uh, they wash their hands 40 times a day or they just always think they're sick. Well, that's OCD. Or well, maybe maybe that's like hypochondria. I think it's a mix of both, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, maybe I think that is the washing. For a second, I thought you more. meant. No, you're right. For a second, I thought you meant the ritual. I guess it could also be just to like make sure you're not getting, you know. Yeah, yeah I guess they're connected. But is that your experience with it or is it a little more in depth? Because I'm very curious about I, that's one I don't have where I get very nervous and anxious about everything. But for whatever reason, uh, my health isn't one of those, which is probably a bad thing, but yeah, I think hypochondria, I, it can get pretty intense. I'll like, especially during COVID, like not, not that we're out of COVID, but like uh, the pre-vaccination phase of my COVID journey, I, uh, yeah. I got a rapid test like all the time and I constantly thought I was sick and I would like get actual symptoms. I would feel like cold spells and I'd feel like, all this kind of shit. And then I get tested and be negative and suddenly all those feelings would go away. So like oh, the geez. hypochondria definitely would, you know, I, the worst, I mean, the, the worst part of the pandemic is like, it was like this disease where one of the symptoms is not having symptoms, which as a hypochondriac, <laughs> right. you're like, that's not really playing fair. Yeah. There are rules to this thing. It's like, I'm a hypochondriac. You're a disease. You have certain symptoms. I think I have those symptoms. And I think I have that disease. But once the disease says <laughs> a symptom is not having symptoms, and you're like, oh, so if I'm feeling great, that could mean and I you have definitely COVID. have it. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so and then it got really complicated because like you <laughs> like talk to my friend, I'd be like, I'm sneezing. I'm worried it's COVID. And they'd be like, yeah, but sneezing is not a symptom of COVID. And I'd be like, yes, but not being a symptom of COVID <laughs> Is a symptom of COVID. That's just the thing. They're Therefore, trying to fuck I you. could have COVID, you know. So it was right. a real, it was quite the mind fuck. But yeah, hypochondria definitely makes me exacerbate sickness. And, you know, uh, uh, you know, you worry, you worry so much about like getting sick. I think for a lot, it's like it's trying to have control, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know how the, the best way to define hypochondria, it's you're basically constantly guessing how you're going to die. Uh, hoping that if you guess it, the universe will be like, well, now we can't have him die that way because that's what he thinks. So we won't have him die that way. Like, you right. know, I can't die of cancer if I'm freaking out that I'm about to die of cancer. You know, <laughs> I do that. I, I I think I heard you say that on the podcast at some point. And I do that with everything where it's like, well, and that becomes where uh, like self-deprecating humor you're walking a fine line between being funny with self-deprecating shit and sounding like sad. Right. Because right. I got to a point where I would like, people would say I was doing on the podcast or whatever that I kind of had a woe is me act. And I was like, that's bad. Ah, that's bullshit. I don't think that I'm joking about how uh, sad I am or how things right. always go wrong for me. But then when right. you let other people do it, you realize like, Oh, I can come off like I want attention, even though that's not your goal when you're doing it, you know? 
Right. Yeah. You can come off different than your, yeah. People will come off different, uh, than their intention all the time. Uh, yeah. I guess, me, I guess meaning too. like, um, uh, when I, like, if I accuse, uh, like, let's say I accuse you of doing that, like coming off as, uh, uh, like you want me to feel you're looking for pity or something. Yeah. Well, I come off like that to other people, but I'm not in my mind, I'm not doing that. Right. But we'd also don't have the sympathy for the other person. <laughs> like if I accused you of doing it, I wouldn't think to myself, well, Hey, I've done that. And that wasn't my goal to make you feel bad for me. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's tough, you know, cause you, you know, people think you want pity sometimes. And you're like, no, I don't, I don't want pity. You know, right. no one, I don't, I feel like a lot of people don't want pity. Maybe they do. I don't know. Pity seems kind of condescending. You know, you're no. always having that moment on stage where you try to say something sad and funny and people go, ah, and it's like, no, 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 I want you to relate and laugh. I don't want you to go, ah, yeah. like you feel bad for me as if you haven't had those feelings, you know, because pity is from a, uh, a superior place, I think, you know, yeah. you Have want you noticed empathy, the- not pity, you know. Have you noticed more of that on stage? I feel like people talk about that a lot more the last few years where uh, a lot of crowds are reacting with like awes or applause or reactions other than laughter where almost like they're reacting to it as if it's a, a speech or a rally or something. I mean, I feel like the awe has been there since the beginning, since I started. I feel yeah. like I've always had kind of like jokes that can be sad. And, and, and sometimes, you know, the awe is deserved because I've, it is more pathetic than funny, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I've, I've the awe is always. I think the awe I get less awe now, just because I think maybe you just if it's really fucking funny, you won't get it all. That's the worry about the awe. The the reason we get mad at awe isn't because we're mad that they're pitting us. We're mad that we feel like, oh, is this joke not working? It's supposed is to be a fucking joke. joke. Yeah, <laughs> is this joke sadder than it's funny, which can be the case a lot. So like. Um, I don't know, as I've gotten, I don't know, I guess as I've gotten better, I've gotten less awes, but it's also tough because like the more you talk about sad shit, the more you can get an awe, which is, it's the worst kind of heckle. The worst kind of heckles are when the people think they're being good. Yeah. Because then you look like an asshole if you get mad at them. You know what I mean? Right. But right. Even so many- I went to see, uh, I, we, I saw Shane Gillis at Laugh Boston the other night mm-hmm. and uh, there was a lady behind me who seemed like more of not a Shane Gillis fan. Like, Hey, it would be fun to go to a comedy club. That's right. thing. So like Shane would say something or even Matt McCusker, the opener, they'd say there was the whole show. They'd say something. And this woman would go, Oh yes. Or like guess the yeah. punchline. Yeah. That's the, well, I mean, guess the punchline is complete all out war. If you're it's the worst. The <laughs> I mean, if you're going to guess the worst is when they get it right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, gosh, I need to work on this. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, uh, but, uh, yeah, the, but yeah, the, oh yes, is anything that's not a laugh is like, uh, such bullshit. And it's so, I mean, it's, it's much worse than someone just being like, fuck you homo. Because like, at least that, if you come back at people aren't like, people aren't like, uh, oh, you know, like why, why is he going off on this person? Just saying, ah, you know what I mean? (laughs) You know, like, uh, you know, like, like so, the worst heckles are definitely the ones where they are under the guise of supportiveness, right. but it's not supportive. It's ego. And that can of be course. true for a laugh too. Like there are people's laughs that are. I mean, it's hard to explain, but there are definitely people who laugh in a way where it's like you're totally just making this about you. It you takes know? over the room. Yeah, yeah. Like where everyone's focused on that, and that's kind of annoying too. I mean, sometimes it's a genuine goofy laugh, and that's whatever you know. Yeah. But sometimes people laugh. I, it's not, this really annoys me is like 
there'll be like drunken people one night who are like young, usually like young girls or something or young guys, mm-hmm. and they'll be drunkenly cheering after everything. But it's <laughs> not about what you're saying. It's about them having a fun Friday night, you know? Yes. Yeah, and you're yeah, just gonna yeah. be like, "Fuck you!" This isn't about a fun Friday Friday night. It's about me bearing my soul, you fucking. <laughs> right. And by bearing my soul, I mean just repeating the same fucking jokes I'm sick of all the time. <laughs> but like, don't make me. <laughs> this is where the ego battle comes. Yeah. Don't make me a just a part of your great night. You're here. Right. This is, you know, you're here to observe an artist. <laughs> you know, and they're this just is- be like. We saw a comic and we, we pre-gamed and saw a comic. It was a great night. And like, fuck you. You're making it about yourself. Though, of course, everyone makes everything about themselves. So, you yeah. know, it's a, it's a fine dance. Well, I think it's funny. Com- comedians are almost at the uh, stand-up, I think, is almost to the detriment of their own honesty. Because at least any stand-up that I like is a version of themselves on stage where it is, there is a level of honesty and of course, exaggeration and things like that. But right. you feel like you're watching that guy. Like if I go see Renan Hirschberg, I feel like I'm watching Renan Hirschberg tell jokes, but also be honest about his life or whatever he's talking about. Yeah. So that allows people to then like give you feedback on stage for some reason. <laughs> Whereas if you were performing a play, no one would yell, uh, Oh yes, you got him. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. I mean, it is it is like such a intimate thing. And the more effortless, the more it seems conversational on your part, the more people will like take that to mean they can like interrupt, which sucks. And it's like, oh, you think this is a conversation because I'm really good at stand up and I've made yeah. it like seem like a conversation. So now I'm getting punished yeah. for being, you know what I mean? I it's also the thing where it's like comedy and the thing where it's like your instrument is the audience, but I mm. guess from their perspective, it looks like your instrument is your voice, you know? Right. So it's like you go on stage with your voice, but everyone in the audience also has a voice. So it's like the equivalent of like people go, no one ever heckles if you're fucking in a symphony, you know, or if you're playing music. But it's like if you went out playing a clarinet and everyone in the audience had a clarinet in their lap, (laughs) that's what the equivalent of is when you do stand up. Right. Everyone has an instrument, the same instrument. So if you came up with a clarinet, everyone had a clarinet in their lap. One or two people might be tempted to use that clarinet during it. So right. it, it makes sense that you get heckled sometimes, you know. And it's hard. It's It'd hard to even blame. Did. It's hard to even blame like the lady sitting behind me at the show. It's hard to really blame her because she's not. She's just a lady that's going out for a fun evening or whatever, looking for a few laughs, I guess. So it's yeah. hard to explain to her like, hey, you're throwing off the timing because you you're not part of this because then the yeah. very next line could be like, Hey, what do you do for work? <laughs> and then yeah. she's like, am I supposed to respond? I don't get it. Yeah. And also the other thing is a lot of these people are just drunk. So it's like, you're, that, you're, yeah, right. you're fighting against some, you know, it's mostly drunk people. You're, you're rarely having a sober like heckler, you know what I mean? So, right. so it's just alcoholism and you know, uh, it is what it is. I mean, you know, a lot of time that shit is fun though. Like, I was at Acme last week and um, I was, you know, I was having some really fun shows, but at a certain point, you know, I don't know. I'm a, maybe in a bit of a creative rut and I'm like kind of sick. I, I need some new shit. So I was, I was doing it kind of wrote a little one night, maybe getting a little too, you know, that, that that's the challenge of comedy is to like, it's so easy to go into autopilot. And basically your goal as a comedian is to fight that at all times and, and I think one night I was just I was probably going a little on autopilot mm-hmm. and it's a pretty it was like a pretty packed room. 
And this woman stood up. She couldn't really get, she couldn't like go to the bathroom by leaving behind her. Right. And she was in the front row. She stood up and just stepped on the stage in the middle of a bit I was doing that was like, like a pretty elaborate bit that was getting right to like, it's like kind of big crescendo. Yeah. And she stepped on stage and then stepped off stage to go to the bathroom. And I was like, are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> And then I riffed on that for like three minutes and it was great. It was like the most fun I had all weekend. Yeah. Because she fucking walked on stage, you know, and I wasn't actually mad. I was just joking, but it really, so a lot of times people doing goofy ass shit can be like, I hate to say it. I don't want to encourage people, but like, right. That's the problem. Cause if you say what you're about to, I know what you're about to say, but then you say, and people are like, see, I'm part of it. I'm part well, of the Well, <laughs> it's, well, that's the thing. Yelling out isn't always great because that's not that. But like, I guess it depends on what you're doing. The ridiculousness yeah. of literally stepping on stage yeah. in a packed room when like the, the hilarity of stepping on stage to get to the bathroom, it's right. just so hilariously indifferent and just so like, like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's just like, it's just, it, it was also just in the middle of such a like elaborate bit. So it's like, that like really woke me up and it was totally the most fun I had. And then she got kicked out, which I felt really bad for. Uh, Cause like uh, afterwards, I, you, cause I don't even, I really don't think she had room to get, to get like to the bathroom without like going right. on stage. Yeah, uh, maybe, you guys are kind of comedy partners at this point. So you feel yeah, a little she, bad for her. She could have baby. Yeah. We're a comedy duo. She could have, <laughs> I, she could have I mean, she probably could have figured out a different way, but I don't think they needed to kick her out, but whatever. It right. was a fuck up. But like, uh, but uh, yeah, it was like, so sometimes it's like people saying shit can like really wake you up, you know? I remember one time I was in a theater um, uh, and I'd been on a run and I was kind of like going through the uh, motions one night and then like the lights in the entire, it was like a pretty big theater. The lights in the entire theater just turned on out of nowhere. <laughs> and apparently someone had punched someone and gotten kicked out of the, the Jesus <laughs> yeah, Christ. show. But even just riffing on that made me like, yeah. So like, yeah, I guess it's okay to heckle. Just you've got to do it on It'd the be night. Be creative. Can... If Renan's in your city, just go up on stage or do something unusual. You well, know? <laughs> yeah, do something unusual. Make sure it's a night where you feel like the comic is a little like going on autopilot and needs right. something to like put them in the moment. Don't do it on a night where they're trying to get this material to perfectly work you got it that's the thing if you could only do it when comedians are just kind of getting a little bored by their jokes then it'd be perfect how's it been since audiences have been back and everything is it kind of uh, business as usual yet or no i mean i like i i took a like a six months break during the pandemic and then even that wasn't even that i was doing zoom the whole time but like but then i did outdoor shows after six months so i was I've been back for a while. I guess it was a transition from outdoor to indoor. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I feel like I've, although I guess I, I think the first show I did where people were like packed in there was like maybe, maybe actually, honestly, a month ago. I right. felt like they were packed in there. Um, It's been great. It's been really great. I mean, you know, who knows how long it'll last, but like. Yeah, we'll see. It's been really fun. The outdoor shows were fun too, though. They're kind of like an exciting kind of goofy, weird thing, you know? So right. it's all, it's all been pretty fun. Yeah. Um, so back to uh, sort of the mental health angle of it. Yeah, I heard yeah. you talking about uh, I, was it specifically transcendental meditation or just meditation in general? I try to do TM, uh, yeah, but I've, I I go back and forth. I like does that work for you? While. Yeah, I do. I mean, I don't. I think the whole point of meditation is like you got to do it, and at the same time, 
there's a part of you that's like, I don't know if this is making much bigger of a difference. I think that's part of meditation. But Okay, like, good. Uh, that makes me feel better because what I was going to say was it's been suggested to me and my therapist says even try it like, you know, 60 seconds at a time. See if you can do it for a minute and then go to five minutes. But the whole time, every time I've tried, the entire time I'm thinking, oh, you fucking idiot. You're not paying attention. Your mind isn't blank. Look at these thoughts that you're having. <laughs> Right, which is part of it, but that's not that is part of meditating. Okay, people forget about yeah. No, no, I think meditation is uh, usually crucial. I sometimes wonder about TM as opposed to other ones. What's the difference? Um, TM is a mantra you say to yourself. So I do TM, which oh, is okay. like two different twenty minutes a day, where I just say a mantra to myself on a loop, mm-hmm. uh, silently for twenty minutes, and and then anytime you get distracted and you notice that you've gotten distracted you go back into saying the mantra which is mindfulness is kind of similar you just focus on your breath yeah and then anytime you notice you've not focusing on your breath which is what's supposed to happen your thoughts come in you're not supposed to push away your thoughts right you're supposed to just be aware when you've once you are aware that you're no longer paying attention to your breath you gently go back to paying attention to your breath oh i think meditation is really crucial especially if you have anxiety or just in general it's helped you yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I'm much happier and calmer when I'm meditating. And it's the way I see it, it's like uh, just going through life in your normal state of consciousness can really be like exhausting. And when you close your eyes and just meditate for 20 minutes, it's a different state. You're in a different state. And it makes going back to this state a little it makes going back to this state like more enjoyable, you know? Right. You know, it's uh, really important to just kind of like sit there and do nothing because we're doing something all the time. And so much anxiety I think happens because you're like, you drink coffee and you're like, go, go, go. And you're working on shit. And then eventually you get a little tired, but that energy is still there. And that's when anxiety hits when you're like, your body wants to keep on going, but you don't have the energy for it. So you just feel anxious now, you know? Yeah. It's funny how much we judge. Cause like, even as you were talking, I was like, Oh shit. I, first of all, I should try transcendental medita- meditation. Cause when you said the mantra thing, I was like, Oh, well, I'm not going to sit there and say a phrase over and over again because I'm yeah. an idiot. And I didn't think about what it was. And then you were like, well, you silently say it. And I'm like, well, not only is that better, <laughs> but I could, that would probably help me where I'm not, I'm th- I have something to think of. I have a mantra to think of rather than, like, I do no research into this shit. I try it once and then I'm like, ah, it doesn't work for you, you fucking idiot, <laughs> you know? Well, but you have, like, anxiety, right? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, you get, like, panic attacks and stuff or? A little bit, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it's totally, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, if if you have anxiety, I mean, I think everyone should meditate, but definitely if you have anxiety, for sure. It, it really helps. I mean, just, you know, I don't know which one. TM is, like. The nice thing about TM is, well, you pay a little money to do it, to learn it, and then it's like, it's not a lot. It's just a one-time fee, but, like, mm-hmm. you go to a TM center. But then it does give you a structured, like, 22, 20 20-minute sets a day. So, like, that helps me. But, like, you can also just do, it like, a mindfulness app. And I think either way, I just think, like, kind of, like, it's, it's so vital to just kind of sit there and disassociate a little uh, from your thoughts. Because, you know, you, an important part of meditation is kind of, like, separating your thoughts from yourself making you realize your thoughts are not reality you know yeah they're just this flowing thing that just is always happening out of your control 
And when you get caught up in anxiety, your thoughts become reality and they they become overwhelming. And meditation is like the practice of separating those, you know, your thoughts from reality. Do you have anything that helps you get over? Like I, I think of things like uh, uh, over the last year, I've gotten a lot better at um, uh, if I notice myself getting into a place uh, where I'm getting overly anxious or agitated mm-hmm. or whatever it is, I am better now at um, uh, assessing it and saying, oh, all right, this is what's happening. Take a breath. Like, you know, look at what's going on, assess if it's really that bad and kind of try to move on. Like with social media, the idea of just putting the, your fucking phone away, that's become a lot easier to me now. Well, that's um, good. Yeah. Do you have that? But the other, the other, you know, uh, shoot a drop with that is that I always think like, well, if it really gets bad, then I won't be able to handle it. I still always think that, which is a hard thing to get rid of. Do you have any wet? Do you deal with that at all? Do, or am I even making sense? The question is, you feel like you have it, you have it under control, but like you still worry that it could get really bad and you wouldn't have it under control. Yeah, meaning like, oh, I have this under control, but I'm not really dealing with anything major. Once I deal with something major and then that becomes its own anxiety. Right. Oh, you mean something major that will give you anxiety. Right, right. Um, well, well, A, I think typically anxiety comes... Well, I guess, I don't know. I guess anxiety comes when you have something big you're dealing with, but it usually mm-hmm. doesn't... Anxiety is usually not... Like, when the pandemic hit, I wasn't feeling that anxious because I finally... It's like the shit finally... The, the other shoe dropped. You know, so much of anxiety yeah. is waiting for the other shoe to drop. So when you're actually dealing with something pretty f- intense, I find I have less anxiety because you're actually dealing with the thing. You're no longer. It makes you feel normal. Yeah. And you're no longer imagining a worst case scenario. Right. Which I is- forget who I heard say that it was, but it was someone that deals with hypochondria where they were like, when the pandemic happened, I was like, see, there is something to worry about. Like that made them feel like they were right. This whole time. Yeah. I, I felt okay. But I mean, I later on during it, I had a lot of hypochondria, but like in the beginning, you know, the intensity of it does like, you know, I don't know. It's like so much of anxiety is worrying about something happening. So when something happens, you just deal with it. You know what I mean? Right. So I think when major shit happens, you are more prepared to deal with it than you think. You're worried that you're not prepared to deal with it. It's an anxiety of it not happening yet and imagining you know, imagining like the worst thing ever. You know what I mean? Right, like, exactly. And it yeah. happens and it's something you deal with, you know? Yeah. Like the pandemic itself, it's like, uh, Joe told me this the other day. He said, if someone told me that like everything was going to shut down for a year and there'd be this pandemic, I'd be like so depressed. And then it turned out to be like one of the best years of my life. So like, <laughs> right. You kind of learn how to deal with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I know. And that's the thing with climate change too. You freak out about climate change, but you're like, it's scary, but we're going to have to learn how to deal with it. And in our heads, we imagine something like the worst thing ever, but it is a reality, but it's going to be something we're just going to have to learn how to deal with. And once you're dealing with it, it becomes less terrifying because you, you see what it is for what it is. But like um, in terms of like, I don't know, anxiety is always something you can handle. It's not schizophrenia. It's not. It's not like bipolar. It's, you know, anxiety is, it sucks, but it's not going to like destroy your life. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I, I'm always worried about like, uh, 
I, I think genuinely like everyone, if you can afford it uh, or your insurance covers it or whatever, I kind of think everyone should be in therapy because oh, I think, sure. I, I think that it helps everyone just to talk and unload their problems. Even if, even if you're in a, a good place, but there is also the other end where I think a lot of people now uh, the idea of anxiety is accepted enough where it can almost be a built-in excuse for people. Like if, you know, if someone gets in a jam, it's easy to say, Oh, my, my anxiety affected me here. And there's no way to really measure if that's true or not. So it's hard for me. Um, Cause I, I always feel like talking about, Oh, am I using this as a crutch or as an excuse, which can be uh, its own, you know, th- tough thing to deal with at times. Well, how do you use it as an excuse? You mean, well, I think like when you're on a podcast, say like, uh, you know, last year I took a break um, for a few months. I left for a few months to mm-hmm. kind of get myself right and everything. And uh, at the time, and this subsided because I think the longer I was away and that I came back, uh, you know, a little, a little bit better. I think people realized that I genuinely was working on myself. But at the time, um, a lot of people said like, oh, this is an excuse. Mike was getting shit online or Mike wasn't happy with his performance or whatever. And now he uses like mental health as an excuse. And that panics me <laughs> to the, the bizarre thing is like that panics me into thinking, Oh, I just look like I'm using this as an excuse. So I should pretend that nothing is wrong, <laughs> which is right, much right. worse to do. But I think a lot of people deal with that in a way. Um, yeah. I mean, I think you have to like take breaks. I mean, if you're working, for shit or podcast comedy like you want to make it sustainable you know you don't want to work to the point where you have like a mental health crisis and then have to stop for a long time so you need to like you need to take you can either take planned breaks or you can take a long break when you have a nervous breakdown because you're right yeah so it's like you know it's one or the other so yeah no it's very important to take breaks i mean yeah i don't think anxiety I mean, yeah. I mean, that sounds like some Boston fucking <laughs> meathead <laughs> shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, anxiety is something that doesn't get enough coverage. It's not something that is talked about too much, in my opinion. Like, right. I think so many people are having like really like pretty bad times with anxiety in their lives a lot yeah. of the time, and and it doesn't get talked about enough, mainly because it's it can be hidden, well hidden. You know what I mean? Like when I had some of my worst anxiety, no one could tell, you know, right. Right. I looked fine on the surface and that's, that's the thing about anxiety. It won't stop you from functioning. I always say about anxiety is like for me, my anxiety levels, it doesn't keep me from doing anything. All it keeps me from doing is being, except for being happy. That's the only thing. You keep <laughs> yes. Doing. Yeah. I can do everything. I'm just not happy about it, but like, it's not, it is, it's a functioning condition right and that makes it easy to hide and so a lot of people don't talk about it and that i mean when, when i had my words experience with anxiety i realized like man you can be talking because i knew for a fact someone could be talking to me not noticing anything wrong mm-hmm. and i'd be hell in my head i'd be caught in my head feeling just so disconnected from life you know yeah which i think people just feel disconnected from life all the time they're just caught in their head and they're worrying their thoughts and they're not in the moment and like that that anxiety is like so pervasive and we don't talk about it. Was your worst experience like a specific incident or was it uh, sort of a long period of just not really knowing what was wrong? I had a period for like, you know, I, I changed medications or I got off medication slowly and I had like, I don't know, almost like six months to a year of being like really dizzy and out of it, you know? 
Yeah. Um, like really, like actually dizzy for like I think three months straight. You know. Yeah. Um, it's, I'm on. I'm on uh, Wellbutrin. I don't know if yeah, you've heard of that. Yeah, I'm on that. Yeah. I so I started it about uh, eight months ago, I guess. And for me, it worked very well. I hear conflicting stories, but for me, it's worked very well. It works but, different for different people. Yeah. Yeah, and that now I'm, but now I'm like, well, I guess I'm just on this forever now. <laughs> like it works, so I guess I now I just have to. This is what makes me function normally. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I wouldn't. If it's working, I wouldn't worry about it. I mean, yeah. it's. I mean, you can't. Some people can't get off at a certain point, you know. But it is like, it is also really tough to get off, you know. Like, right. I, I got off packs after a while, and it really fucked my fucked my shit up hardcore getting off. But um, I mean, yeah, I be, but yeah, it's just exact. If you can figure out anxiety, I, I also think it, figuring out anxiety is also like figuring out life in general because i feel like they're so connected like the, the the same strategies to deal with anxiety are kind of the same strategies to deal with just everything in life yeah living in the moment not thinking about the future trying to be present you know what i mean yeah not well letting... I, I mean i've had that where like my life has improved over the last year because i've dealt right with my anxiety it also gives you skills to deal with just life shit in general and also helping other people i think for me like anxiety like when I'm having it really bad and then someone asks like for help, it's, it's, it helps more to like help them and distract from your own shit. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's like, I think that's a key part of life in general, which is just realizing that like at the end of the day, no matter how much self-improvement you have, your problems, you're never going to really get to the root of your problems. Right. You're never really going to figure them out fully, but instead of trying to figure them out, you can help other people. Right. And that can distract you. And that is what it's all about anyway. Um, I know I'm, en I'm enjoying this conversation, but I know I get, you got to get out of here relatively soon. Yeah, and I did want to talk a little more movies yeah. with you. Yeah, um, movies for a second. Yeah. Uh, what's the what's the biggest is John Candy, the one you've gotten the most shit for? I'm trying to think of what. Uh, yeah, that became a big thing. Yeah, Your most I controversial take has been. <laughs> I wish I don't know. I was just kind of like I like. I just said something like he's more f nice and funny or something. I don't remember what I said. I just, you know, um, yeah, people give me shit about that. Uh, I don't know. What, what was controversial? Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I said all sorts of shit, uh, but I guess well, what I, I liked, I, I mean, hate you guys... about I hated Blues Brothers. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I really just don't like a lot of 80s comedies. I find they're all, you know, and I, I you know, I think people are just like, my childhood you know which i get yeah. but like you know it's just like i i feel like so many 80s comedies are like they're kind of like adventure comedies and they end up being neither that funny or that adventurous you know they kind yeah. of fail on both levels but like um i've grown to appreciate john candy more i guess i like him and i like him in, <laughs> they've beaten you into appreciating more. i like him in home alone oh that's what people got mad about i said like oh you thought home alone stunk right well, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, I think that's obvious, but like, yeah. uh, it was also, I just think that movie, like, I just think he's like a fucking psychopath. I'm, 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 like, I'm with you on that one. The idea that the it, cops that if, and he chose to, instead to like, just really like torture them. <laughs> and the idea that a family would leave their kid behind and just be like, yeah. ah, shit, I guess it'll that be whole, a few but, days. But I generally found that movie watching it now, like kind of disturbing. Like it, when you watch that movie, you're like, oh, school shootings are not a surprise. Like violence is so inherent in our culture. <laughs> right. It's like really fucked up. That movie's actually very fucked up. And, and Pesci is so determined to get to that kid. Yeah. Like the burglars, there's obviously something more going on than just wanting to rob this house. Right. 
I yeah, I hate to sound like a, like some kind of mother who's like a violence in kids' movies, but like that movie is like very fucked up to watch now. <laughs> um, but uh, but one yeah. episode I love that you guys did was uh, when you talked about Tom Cruise because uh, a big chunk of it was breaking down cocktail, which I found very funny. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you do you I I feel bad in a way because what we do on Patreon a lot is break down old weird. TV shows and shit. Right. Sometimes I feel bad because I'm like, well, they actually created something and I'm just mocking it, but it is one of my favorite things to do. And I would love if you guys did more of that type of shit, just ridiculous movies like cocktail that are right, like, why right. the fuck was this even made? <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that is fun. We do. Yeah, we do. We, we've, we used to like, sometimes we'll like just break, like talk shit about a movie till the forever. But then, a lot of times we're both just like appreciating movies too. We go back and forth. Um, I guess it depends on what the movie is. A lot of times we're kind of rewatching things and having a different opinion on them, you know, than we had before. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's great. I think it's fun talking shit about movies. You know, oh, for sure. I, I don't I, think you have to create something to, you know, if everyone had to make a movie to talk shit about movies, you, everyone would basically be tough. Yeah. yeah. But I, I also feel like I create things, so I'm like, eh, I can do both. <laughs> right, you do stand. I, I'm just a shit talker on a podcast. You have something you can hang your hat on, but well, uh, I mean, even this is something. Even this is something. You know, it's it's work you're creating. Well, you're thank creating, you. That's what I was fishing for. Yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, um, no, my honestly, my favorite. Like, I know people probably love when you shit on things, but uh, I also love when you guys disagree. Like, genuinely. I thought you broke Joe's heart when you talked about Field of Dreams. Like, I really oh, yeah. love when you guys disagree on something because it shows how someone can fucking hate a movie <laughs> and right. another person, it can mean so much to them. Yeah, I know. You can really shit on it. You're just basically just shitting on someone's childhood dreams. <laughs> right. And you're shitting on, like, they're connected because of their own trauma in their life. So you're basically just purely shitting on their own, like, emotional issues in life. <laughs> it can be pretty intense. All right, Ronan, thank you for coming on, man. I oh, know you're out you on so the road. Are you going to be anywhere? Yeah. Um, I'm at a, yeah, yeah. I've been, been uh, I'm at a comedy on stage this tomorrow. And then I'm at a funny bone and uh, Omaha funny bone this weekend. And, uh, oh, you can see me at a comedy off broad. I'm headlining comedy off Broadway in Lexington. Do you have any Lexington fans? We, I'm sure we do. We have, must have some Southerners listening to this. I have a, I'm headlining Comedy Off Broadway in Lexington August 8th. You can get tickets at ComedyOffBroadway.com. And then I'm headlining Planet of the Tapes in Louisville. Really cool uh, place. Uh, you can get tickets for that at PlanetOfTheTapes.biz. Yeah. Awesome. And yeah, if you ever come to Boston or New England area, hopefully oh, yeah, we can, uh, we'll get you on again. And yeah, follow me on Instagram, Ron on Comedy, R A A N A N Comedy. Yes. And if you like movie talk, like I said, I mean, we oh, talked yeah. about it already. Go listen to Joe and Ron on yeah. Talk Movies. Oh, please. Yeah. Awesome cool. podcast. Thanks, Ron, on for coming on. Thanks I appreciate so much it, for buddy. having me. I really appreciate it. All right, All right, thank, man, you thank you so you. much. Bye bye. Wow, what a beautiful world.